0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast for Friday, June 27th. My name is Frank Washcook, stepping in one more week for Steve Barrett while he's on vacation uh, hosting this week's podcast. I am joined by Diana Bradley, our corporate reporter. Diana, how are you?
1: I'm great, thanks. How are you?
0: Good, good. And Lindsay Stein, our senior reporter covering consumer marketing. Lindsay, how are you?
2: Very well, thank you.
0: Good. So it's been a busy week for us here at PR Week. We'll be talking about a few different topics, the World Cup, and what's happening there, and in fact, what just happened moments ago that we heard hooting from a conference room upstairs, and we'll bring you all up to date on that, and we'll be talking about Walmart and its interesting strategy for pushing back against the New York Times op-ed that it thought was unfair. We'll be talking about a big account win uh, for CA Technologies corporate account, and we'll be talking about some recent staff cuts Uh, at a major PR agency. But first, let's start with the World Cup. So, a little bit of an editor's note. Moments before this podcast was recorded, the U.S. just lost to Germany. But the news is not all bad if you're a fan of of the American team because they go on to the next round. Uh, So, a lot of brands have been taking advantage of the World Cup, especially on social media. Lindsay, why don't you tell us about a few of your favorite things that brands did uh, in World Cup marketing,
2: today or before today, or both?
0: This whole week.
2: This whole week. Well, hmm, I can't think of a brand, but just before, um, actually, sent it to you. I thought it was cute that NASA tweeted a video of astronauts playing with a soccer ball in space. That it was, was floating. pretty. Good. I thought that was cute. Um, and then a lot of the NFL teams were tweeting. I particularly saw the Green Bay, the Packers. I think it was. Um, Let's see, and I did write a story earlier this week. I know JCPenney's actually also tweeted today, but I wrote about that earlier, but Mm -hmm. um, in the last U.S. game, they were doing like hashtag free kicks or JCP free kicks, and they would give a free pair of shoes for every time there was a free kick, Mm -hmm. and they were doing that again today, so I noticed them also tweeting. Um, And aside from that, do you remember the other ones in that story? So uh,
0: one thing we should say is that after the Luis Suarez bite of an Italian oh, like player crazy. earlier this week. A number of brands sort of jumped on that bandwagon and we had uh Snickers and what was the other one, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Crunch, Crunch which I kind of had forgotten about as a brand. It's not the sort mm-hmm. of brand you don't think about when you're a kid anymore, I but think. But. Uh, so I hear, so it's, um, yeah, that was a pretty good face-off among brands where who was going to take advantage of that, even though it was kind of a, well, it was definitely an underhanded uh, tactic on the soccer field, but still an interesting way for them to get in the conversation about it, so to speak. Um, that was interesting stuff. I think one other thing that you pointed out earlier was the U.S. soccer team's account, where they uh, give you an excuse letter if you wanted to get out of work for a couple of hours to watch that game. And so, Cuomo,
2: Governor of um, New York, Governor Cuomo, mm-hmm. he tweeted saying that everyone in New York should have an extra hour in their lunch break today. So people were tweeting that like crazy after he did that, which was cute.
0: Did you get to watch any of the game?
2: I watched the last 20 minutes.
0: Mm -hmm. What did you think? I was sad. You were sad. (laughs) Okay. All right. So let's talk about Walmart and its pushback against the New York Times op-ed. So a little bit of background. Uh, Last Thursday, the New York Times ran an op-ed. Uh, the people at Walmart were not too thrilled about, uh, basically saying that it contributes as a company very heavily to the income inequality situation in the U.S. and blame the company for not being a more positive player in that respect. Uh, Walmart had an interesting way of getting back to the times, so Diana, why don't you tell us about that?
1: Sure, so Walmart's corporate communications VP, David Tovar, Factually as well as grammatically edited the piece and rebuked several of New York Times columnist Tim Egan's claims. Posted it online on
0: Walmart. Yes, blog, right?
1: he posted it online, um, complete. It was you know an ed- the edited version of the op-ed, um, complete with little red editorial markings, <laughs> and. Um, Tovar told PR Week that this goes with Walmart's communications. um, Their their department lives by the mantra, no free shots, meaning that no one gets to take what the retailer sees as a cheap shot without a response. So basically they expect all stories about Walmart to be fair and balanced, and when they aren't, the comms team typically follows up in one of a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. So in this instance instance, um, Walmart came up with their unique response tactic when they were reading through the op-ed and marking it up. Mm -hmm. One of Tovar's colleagues suggested posting the edited draft on the Walmart blog, and then to create awareness, they included it in a weekly email they sent out to several hundred journalists and pushed it out on social media. And so that's how it got
0: on the blog. So you talked to the Times as well. What did they have to say?
1: Uh, the Times is standing by Egan's column. Mm-hmm. The editorial page director. And we should
0: note it is definitely a column. It yes, it's an opinion piece. piece right?
1: Opinion piece, and um, the editorial page director Andrew Rosenthal said that the fact that Walmart thought this issue was something to have fun with says volumes about their practices. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: so what did you guys think about the tactic in and of itself, about putting an edited version? Of uh, and up bad up on the site. And some of the edits were kinda harsh. Like if you got that back from a teacher you might be kind of upset, right? Yeah. So what did you guys think? Did you think it was a little bit too much? Did you think it was clever?
1: I thought it was definitely a unique tactic and it got everyone's attention. Um, I thought it was a creative way for Walmart to get their facts out there and to fight back at what they thought was, you know, inaccurate information. Right. Um,
0: well, I, I thought that I thought that it was definitely. I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it's not something you see all the time. Yeah, for sure.
2: I think it's like when um, was his name Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think the Walmart was really poking fun at it. You know, I mean, it
1: really. I think didn't. maybe he saw that people were being a little bit sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, he was Being sarcastic yeah, in his comments, maybe that's like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, mm-hmm.
2: I, I do think it's like. I mean, if you're going up against like a media giant like the Times. So it makes sense for them to do something a little bit out of the box.
0: I think it makes sense in a way, too, in that, uh, you know, look, it's it's an op-ed. It it wasn't a news piece, so the Times isn't really under that much of an obligation to be fair in this case. Um, You know, if they're standing by their facts and they're they're confident with them, I mean, it's an Mm op-ed. They can say that Walmart should be doing whatever they think they should be doing in this case. So because they can't necessarily call for them to give them a more fair shake, so to speak, You know, this is an interesting way of of pushing back where you're probably not going to gain a lot of ground otherwise. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about a major account move uh, that happened this week at a big technology player. So Lindsay, bring us up to date on what's going on with Long Island-based CA Technologies.
2: Yeah, so um, CA Technologies brought on a Daniel J. Edelman kind of group PR agency. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be Zeno and Edelman, um, and they formerly worked with H&K. They're still going to work with H&K in Australia and China, mm-hmm. um, but Edelman slash Zeno won the global corporate Account, but by one it's interesting because they launched an RFI in which the CCO Ron there said a bunch of agencies participated in the RFI, and they never actually went through the formal RFP process. Um, He said based on the RFI responses, they just decided to you know see what the best fit was, and Edelman slash Zeno was the choice. What's interesting is. Actually, Frank, you and I were talking about this. It's like Zeno is a conflict shop. Usually, well, actually, they get mad if you say that. So they're not really a conflict shop. But it would make sense, like, if Edelman can't win it overall, then Zeno would win it. But it's interesting Mm -hmm. that they're going in it together. Mm -hmm. But um, CA said it's because they have experts in different markets and different expertise. So, I mean, a good win overall for... See, for um, Edelman and Zeno. Right, for
0: the Edelman uh, tag team, if we can call it that. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's interesting on a number of levels. It does make you wonder, considering that they're owned by the same company. Yeah, and they're Uh, global, so
2: they have enough resources to both. Right, it does make you
0: wonder what one has that the other one doesn't, Mm -hmm. and where the specific overlap or puzzle pieces are fitting into each other, so to speak, in this respect. So, yeah, definitely one we're going to keep an eye on. CA, of course, has... Some communications challenges. They're no longer a Fortune 500 brand as of this year. They just fell out of that. Uh, the Justice Department recently sued them, so um, you know a lot of challenges on that account. So one will be keeping an eye on. Um, speaking of major PR agencies, Lindsay, would you also bring us up to speed on some happenings at Ketchum from the past few days? Good scoop by you earlier this week.
2: Yes. Well, with some help from other people in the room, um, but. Yeah. So Ketchum um, let go of. Well, it says well, they said less than twenty staffers across their D.C. and New York offices. Um, When I spoke with Barry Rafferty, the CEO of North America, Ketchum, she said it did not have to do with the loss of any major client, Mm -hmm. but it's just that business needs were shifting. um, And she said they're actually hiring more than the amount of people they laid off if you are to look at their website. She's like, right now, I just like, I checked right before the call. She's like, there's actually more positions open than even the people we let go. It did vary across levels. because I asked her, was it just, no, not that it... It minim- not that I'm trying to minimize it, but I was like, was it just like account directors or account supervisors?" She goes, no it was very levels. Mm-hmm. So it goes to show you that definitely probably some SVPs or you know,
0: VPs. Mm-hmm. And I we should that. say that, that agencies um, never agencies or companies in general never really give more details than they absolutely yeah. have to about personnel matters. Um, and, you know, there are very good reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be interesting to know if they are looking to hire people with certain job sets, certain specialties, and maybe some other specialties aren't as needed as they used to be. It's one thing yeah. to think about. Um, okay, that's about all we have time for. Thank you, listeners, for uh, tuning in to the PR Week for June 27th.